Hey guys, and welcome back to The Outer Rim. I'm Gabe Green, and today, with the help of one of my fellow Outer Rim admins, we'll be talking about the latest episode of The Bad Batch, Cut and Run. And today I am joined by Drew, who is still five months later hiding from us. What do you have to say for yourself? Uh, you know, I'll come out of hiding one day, just like uh, Luke Skywalker did in The Last Jedi, or Force Awakens, technically, but yeah. Show up triumphantly and save the day. Yep. All right. Um. So, this is. It feels like it's been forever since we did this, but it, it's only been less than five months since uh, the Mandalorian season two ended. Yeah. It's. It feels like a year or two. I don't know why. Um. Yeah. So, and since then, we've actually met. Uh, we got together for the uh, <laughs> to watch the Snyder Cut. That was cool. Um. But we're not here to talk about that. Today we are here to talk about the latest episode of The Bad Batch. Um, and if you would rather listen to this uh, review in audio form, you can find it on my podcast feed, uh, Franchise Fatigue. I'll be posting all the audio from our Bad Batch reviews over onto that feed, or you can just watch it here on YouTube. Um, and if you're enjoying it, uh, please subscribe to the channel and like this video. All right, so Cut and Run. This is the second episode of The Bad Batch. It is directed by, uh, or written by uh, Gersimran Sandu and directed by Stuart Lee, and the story editor is Matt Mishnovitz. Um, actually, before we talk about this, I should probably get your real quick thoughts on the first episode. Like, how are you, how are you feeling The Bad Batch now that we're two episodes in? Uh, yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed the first episode. Um, and I mentioned it in the Outer Rim group um i was a little bit like worried about the show because i didn't absolutely love the bad batch in clone war season seven mm -hmm. uh, but i quickly they quickly grew on to me in the first episode of the bad batch um i'm still not a huge fan of wrecker but uh the rest of the i squad, don't know with that poncho he can do anything i love him okay yeah i, I will say in episode two he's a lot better but um <laughs> yeah it the characters grew on me pretty quickly in the first episode and i was like when i kind of got a feel of like where they're going with this show i'm like all right i'm all in like just take it on from here i just want to see more mm -hmm. yeah so the the thing that has struck me the most about this show in these two episodes is how quiet it is and you i would never have guessed that watching the bad batch arc in in season seven which i did i did enjoy i thought it was, like, it was just a classic you know clone wars action arc and yeah. i would have expected this show to be kind of non-stop action record just smashing things but so far with these two episodes it's been very willing to just slow down and and be quiet and sit with characters it, it's, it's a rather contemplative show I'd say it's probably even more quiet than Clone Wars and Rebels were regularly. It's, it, mm. it's, it's kind of surprising. I, I, I don't even know what to make of it quite yet because it's just not at all what I was expecting from a show called The Bad Batch. Yeah, same. Um, so here we have them. They go, they go to a Salukamai, um, which we we spent the episode The Deserter back in what was that season two. I think. Season two or three, I think, there. Yeah, of Clone Wars. Uh, we we uh, meet back up with uh, Cut Laquan, um, 
which is just a kind of a favorite of mine. I, I've always really liked that episode. It, it was great seeing them come back here. You know, he, he's been a clone in hiding and the Bad Batch. They're not much for subtlety and laying low. So they have to get get some pointers on how to hide uh, from yeah. this guy who's been doing it successfully for all these years. And, and, and on top of that, so you've got the uh, them them coming there. They're all they're all kind of clone outcasts. He he's been one he's one who's been defying orders for for years now. Also, there's the aspect of he you know he's a family man. He has a family, and the Bad Batch are kind of are saddled with his kid that they don't know what to do with. And so, you know, getting to see them together with a family, it's all it's all actually tied together very uh, neatly thematically. Um, it's not just oh you remember this guy we're bringing him back. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I've seen like a lot of complaints online that this episode was kind of like filler, which I really disagree with because, I mean, the purpose of this episode was for them to go into hiding, and you know they get to the planet and meet up with Cut and all of them, and they find out that the planet is already being influenced by the Empire. Which is like it's crazy seeing because like I'm imagining that there hasn't been much time since Order sixty six in this episode. So yeah, just seeing how much influence the Empire already has. I know. uh, Yeah, Rex came by the day before they said. So I think it's been, uh, and I think they said they they started uh, um, uh, claiming and confiscating the vehicles about a week ago. So I think it's been around a weekish. Yeah still like really fast though um which is just like crazy so it kind of like shows you how much of an impact the empire has very early on how much influence they already have in the galaxy um which was just like really neat to see because i i feel like most of the stuff that we've seen in between you know episode three and episode four it's always been a little bit later on when the mm-hmm. empire is like already pretty established like you know they're already wearing this like classic stormtrooper armor and everything um it's interesting seeing the transition from order 66 to the empire yeah and and i I don't understand that filler thing like okay you know mando taking frog lady and fighting ice spiders i disagree that it's filler but i can at least get the criticism but this is it's all character development and, and and like heavy plotting like this is this is a an abs this is absolutely a story episode, um, and you know, we we have to figure out like what to do with Omega. Like keeping her on this crew of of uh, so- of crazy soldiers is not is not the automatic is not is not this decision you instantly come to. You know, it's got to be come to uh, uh, naturally. Um, and it, this episode is very much uh, about Omega. Um, I, I loved they gave us that moment of her just experiencing a planet that isn't just water for the first time. You know, Mm. what is this? That would be dirt. Uh, I I love, I love a tech. Um, Yeah. It reminded me of those lovely little moments with Ray uh, experiencing worlds that aren't deserts for the first time. Um, But I love that even in that, there's always like a storm in the distance. Like as she's like, experience in this beautiful world there's like a storm cloud coming i noticed throughout the episode every time they look up at the sky there's the storm cloud coming in very very thematic um yeah it's a it's this episode does share a a little bit in common with the episode the sanctuary from um mando season one 
where we, we go to this peaceful village, kind of have a break and possibly leave this child behind with a loving family. And ultimately they don't. Um, but it, it de definitely plot wise feels very different. Um, yeah, definitely. And it was, this was something I noticed and I mentioned it in our review of, um, I think it was the heiress, how, how few families there are in star Wars. Um, because I, yeah. the, like the frog, the frog family was seen as like, wow, a nuclear family. I, 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 I can't remember the last time I actually saw one of these in Star Wars, oh, and no. in here as well. It's, it's just refreshing, um, to see this loving family with you know the kids, and they've got their own their own little homestead and world. It's, it's just a really nice change of pace. Um, and getting to watch Cut just be an awesome dad. Like the moment where she goes out and it gets attacked by the Nexu, um, and the Hunter's just kind of laying into her like a, like a drill sergeant. He's like, "Easy, she's not a soldier," and yeah. he just goes in for the hug. Just just being an awesome dad. It's so sweet to watch. Yeah, it was a very heartwarming episode for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, I definitely see what you what you mean about there not being many families in Star Wars, and when there is, they're always like either dysfunctional or they're or dead killed off yeah so it's like and just saying i'm really glad they didn't kill off cut or any of his family members because i was expecting that to happen honestly and i i was very glad that it that's didn't like one of my least favorite tropes from like these western stories um like leave the leave the nice families alone yeah uh there's a really great line from um sue she says you know children are children will always find ways of getting into trouble is what they do protect protecting them is what we do um which is very true if you've ever met a human toddler they shouldn't be alive if there's a ledge they will dive off of it if there's no ledge they will find one <laughs> to jump off of they're they're crazy um and and just there's a lot of little moments between hunter um and omega just him watching her sleep and you know, in the beginning or the little moment when she goes, but before she goes outside to play with the children, she looks at him and he kind of gives her the nod. Um, they're, they're really building up the connection between him and her in particular, I guess, you know, as the squad leader, she, you know, she's now one of his men and he, he feels very much responsible for her um, in a way that the, the other characters don't seem to as much. Yeah. There's, yeah, definitely. Wreck oh. is just the big brother. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely liking uh the like family dynamic that they're having with uh the squad mm -hmm. with omega being involved now um and like also omega has been great so far um because i mean anytime that any show ever introduces a child character you're always going to be super scared because half the time in shows like these they'll just make them the most annoying characters ever mm -hmm. um but i'm really surprised how mature they've been handling this show um not only with like the storytelling but also the characters um and especially like omega um i've just been like super surprised with her uh for both episodes so far um and i like i can't wait to see where they go next with her um <laughs> the relationship between her and hunter has been great too and like seeing his uh like this like father daughter but also kind of like He's more like an uncle or like an older brother. I mean, he's basically like all three since he's a clone. Um, mm -hmm. Technically related, but yeah. Um, their dynamic has been 
really awesome in this episode. Um, and uh, it, it's a it's a nice contrast between like the Mandalorian where like Mando like both both Mando and Hunter like they're obviously not dads and they both end up basically being like dads in both of these shows and um, just seeing the differences between the two um, like rather than a lot of comparisons kind of surprised me too because it's like oh they're doing this kind of story again when they just did it in the Mandalorian but it's been very different in the Bad Batch so far mm. and they're setting up some kind of secret for um for Omega mm-hmm. uh, the line from Cut you know the, the Kaminoans don't create anything without a purpose like, like what's yeah. hers um, so there's going to be some kind of reveal of whatever she was intended for as the first the first female clone and being called Omega possibly quite possibly the last clone created um i i really love her her little uh her version of uh tomorrow morrison's new zealand accent it's just kind of adorable yeah Um, the voice actress uh, michelle yang is just a great job she's actually 37 years old that's crazy that's wild (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and i like how each the, the way they make the action each character kind is always has a purpose like it was that it was that way in the first episode in this episode <clears throat> excuse me um you know your t- tech is going in and g- getting the i mean uh, oh, um not to echo goes in and you know hacks in steals the codes tech gets the maid that record you know, rips off the um the, the magnetic clamp and omega gets to you know run the chain codes like each one always has a purpose and they're all doing something you know uniquely related to their 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 skill set and who they are within mm-hmm. the um within the action it keeps it interesting and hunter's really cool in action he's just so smooth yeah. and fluid um, i love his his fighting style with like the knives and everything which yeah, is like really yeah. unique i feel like we haven't seen too many clones with uh like a melee focus mm-hmm. in the clone wars I mean, sure, there's, like, some, but, like, having this, like, kind of melee-centric, very stealth, like, fluid character uh, in the Clone Troopers is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a pretty quiet episode. There's not a lot to talk about, you know, plot-wise or action-wise. A um, couple of moments that did uh, uh, stand out to me. I mean, as I said before, but Wrecker in that poncho and hat is... It looks so good. I don't, I don't know, like, does, why... Yeah. But it just looks so great. Um, <laughs> Wrecker using the gonk droid like a dumbbell at the end. Oh, oh my gosh, I was weird when that happened. <laughs> oh, I wonder where they got that gonk droid from, though. <laughs> it, well, it, I think it's just been on the ship because back in um, he was doing something similar back in the Bad Batch arc. Where he was like pressing it as he was like okay. eating a chicken okay. leg or something. Um, oh, and did you did you see the scene, the moment where I, he hits his head? Like, yeah, yeah, it was so subtle. <laughs> just, I love that that gag is living on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's a it's quiet. Um, I do have a couple complaints. Um, one is that I feel like this episode should have been episode three or four. Um, I feel like the the, the threat of losing Omega and you know what do we do with this child? Like, that question I think would have been more powerful if. You know, we had had an episode or two of Adventures, and she had been 
you know, like the stress of having a child on this crew had been like weighing on them and like her being in danger is weighing on Hunter. Like, I feel like th th this conflict, internal conflict would have been more powerful. It happened an episode or two later rather than the second episode. Like, so we could have had the threat to her also, you know, building the emotional connections between her and the crew. I think it would have been a bit more emotionally impactful if it happened a little later on. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, because yeah, like even though like I, I love the character development that they did in this episode, it would have been so much more powerful. Like having this question, like, all right, do we leave her with cut, um, to like go live like this peaceful life with like a family, or you know, do we keep her on board? And having that kind of like thought in the back of your mind the entire episode, like, oh no, are they actually gonna like give her up? Like, is it the last episode that we're getting with her? Um, mm -hmm. like if they had that like midway through the season or something like that, that would have been really awesome. And I get they they want to get past this question of like why are they keeping this child? How how irresponsible are yeah. they? Like I, I think it it is important that it happens a little earlier on the season, but I think it's it should have had you know a, an episode or two at least. Um, another another thing that was weird is I feel like the moment of decision from Omega, like when she's, you know, she's with Cut and Sue, they're going towards the, uh, the freighter. You know, when, when she decides to go after the Bad Batch, like the moment of decision feels missing. It's just, they're walking towards it. And the next thing you know, she's running across the battlefield and like, it, it makes Cut and Sue look like really irresponsible guardians. Like they, they just like keep walking and get on the ship. They don't even mention, Oh, where's the child we were entrusted with? Um, so I feel like there should have been a moment of decision and then like them noticing, oh, she's gone and she's over there and like, okay, she made her choice. And because like, there's, it's just kind of weird. There's a piece missing there, like in this really crucial moment, you know, where all, you know, the dramatic arc is, is uh, coming to its climax and it's like, oh, there she is. And, uh, and, uh, you know, cut, cut and Sue don't seem to care. Yeah, uh, I definitely see that. I, I think the only explanation that I can come up with, which is like really reaching, is like maybe they were trying to like play cool and like not be like super suspicious. But yeah, like I definitely can see that um, it, it was a little weird that she just kind of ran off and they, they didn't even like say or think anything about it. <laughs> yeah, well, in that case, maybe it's <laughs> Maybe it's good that she didn't stay with them. They would have left her on the on the, uh, on the uh, shuttle accidentally when they got to the next planet. She'd go off to Coruscant or something. They would have uh, gone like, shopping at like a market and accidentally left her there or something. Yeah. <laughs> at least Hunter, you know, cares where she is. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else in particular you wanted to mention about this episode before we close? Um, the score. Yes, yes, yes. The score really just blew me away. This episode. It was very unique. Um, I, I will say though, like when I heard the the theme, uh, that they kind of they kind of had like this one theme playing throughout the entire uh, episode, um, which I'm assuming is Omega's theme, because it happened whenever mm -hmm. she walked out of the ship, um, or that's when they first introduced it. Um, but I immediately recognized the sound. And so I try like looking up online. I was like, "Is this from like Star Wars? Like I, I like I've heard this before." Was it from last and episode? Maybe. So I looked up on Twitter and I, I and I saw other people mentioning it, and apparently, uh, it's almost like shot for shot the same uh, 
track is this one track from Halo 3 called Beyond a Pale Horse. There's a segment in that track. Was Kiner involved in that? No, he wasn't, which is like super <laughs> weird. So like people are like, yeah, there's like this accidental like Halo Easter egg um, in in the Bad Batch, which I, th I thought was like super interesting. And I played him like side by side. And I was like, yeah, this is almost exactly the same. So I don't know if he like got inspiration from that or something. Maybe but his son, Sean Kiner, who works with him. I don't know. It was a, it was really interesting. <laughs> huh. Um, I, I, yeah, I did really like the music. You know, it's very low key and just, just lovely. Um, yeah, Kiner's work is, you know, it was a little mixed. I think in the first couple seasons, but as the longer it's gone into Rebels into season seven, it just gets better and better. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and also. I'm I'm sad that uh, they didn't do the intro again. You know, they, they did the full on Clone Wars yeah. intro in the premiere, and it got me excited. Like, are we going to get you know Tom Kane in the front of every episode? No. Um, and I'm I'm nervous that that the opening the season premiere with his narration is the last time we're going to hear Tom Kane in Star Wars. You know, since you know, yeah. he had he had the stroke and possibly lost his voice, which is sad. Um, yeah. But. At least, you know, I, I loved that. I loved the uh, that uh, newsreel opening in the first episode. Oh, yeah, it was great. Um, it, if we do hear it again, I hope it's, like, for the finale or something like that. Mm. And just, like, kind of... It would be really cool if they had it again to, like, kind of show what the perspective of that would be like from, like, the Imperial side of things. Because, <laughs> like, we've always, like, heard his his like voice like announcing things for like the clone wars <laughs> so it's like i wonder like how different it would be if what if he's from the imperials he's like an imperial propagandist like a hype man <laughs> that, that would that, be that would be cool uh probably not gonna happen maybe we could dream all right um so that was our review of cut and run i hope you enjoyed it again if you did please su subscribe to the channel like the video and join us over on the outer rim uh at the, uh, the outer rim a star wars group on facebook it's a community dedicated to a uh, positive and constructive conversation on the star wars saga you're not going to find just all the, the hate and nasty noise that that's kind of consuming so much of star wars discourse it's you know, we're really trying to make it a positive community of people who actually like Star Wars. Like, imagine that. Um, yeah, so check us out over there. Um, also, um, yeah. And uh, that is all. And uh, we will see you next week. Do we know what the next episode's name is? I didn't even look it up. We will um, see you. I think it's Mercenaries. That, that little trailer that they yeah, showed. Yeah, the teaser was called that. Yeah, so I'm assuming that's the next episode, but I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. All right, so we will see you uh, next next week on uh, whatever this episode is called. See you then.